0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Robert Marzullo, artist, YouTuber, comic book aficionado, and you're listening to Dead Hand Radio.
1: finally connected you must be a pretty busy guy huh
0: yeah you know and i this time of year i start to take a few breaks because i get so burned out from the entire year of like trying to produce content so um yeah i guess i intermittently take breaks wherever i start to feel that burnout but uh later in the year that kind of happens naturally
1: so you but you're keeping busy
0: I take. oh yeah no it's insanely busy yeah
1: and it's it's all uh based on your uh, training. Is that right?
0: Yeah, all I do is I uh, I create, you know, YouTube videos, I create online courses, I uh, create, you know, various blog posts. And, you know, I'm, I'm drawing my comic, but it's like, that's like, seems to be the last thing on the plate, which really shouldn't be. But it's, it's kind of the way it works out. But um, lately, I've been trying to draw on the book more and get back to get back to my roots. You know, I'm trying to, this is originally what I started all this for was so I could find the pursuit of my comic art and and it ends up becoming more of me being a teacher and less of a a comic artist you know
1: yeah is there a pretty high demand on your time even even when you're not producing content
0: um yeah I I don't know as far as like freelance work is that what you're saying
1: no no I, I mean like um Uh, support for your students and things like that
0: oh yeah it's it comes and goes I mean at any given time I can have five or ten comments that I need to respond back to and there's times that it's a lot more than that but um, but then there's breaks there's there's times when I'm like I get a couple days off and nobody really asks anything significant that takes any tremendous amount of time to respond to and then I'll get some real doozies where I not only Have to respond. It's better if I do a video response, or uh, it's better if I create some some images, you know, that sketch out to explain. You know, if somebody asks something deep about art, it's hard to just be like, "Well, you just got to practice more." You know, it's not the (laughs) it's not the answer that's going to float their boat or make them happy. You know, so it's like, let me show you what I mean. And and sometimes showing them means a video, uh, and that means editing, and that means (laughs) means a few other things. You know so but it's the right way to answer some questions so yeah yeah
1: well the 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 truth of it is uh nothing is easy and nothing's going to happen without you taking the effort and putting in the work
0: oh yeah yeah nothing's free that's for sure especially yeah. In art
1: yeah i i wish it was man because i mean i've put in well i do digital art more more of a uh graphic design style of art
0: it's really a slow going process, and I, I think a big part of it is: um, are we patient enough? You know, what are our expectations of ourselves? Um, I, I know for me, one of the things that I've had to do even even more lately is kind of make compromises into what I think I should be drawing, or at least the style and the rendering that I should be doing, versus you know what it takes me to do it. Like I see some of these artists that can slam out a fully detailed page. And it seems to take them six hours, maybe eight, if it's just insanely intense or something. And but in a style that I just couldn't hope to compete with at this point. So what I have to do on my own end is, is kind of uh, tame down my ego. And just say, you know what, maybe I don't need to be uh, that, that hyper realistic or that hyper detailed. Uh, maybe I can go with something a little bit more. Easy on myself, you know, and and still convey a really neat, uh, passionate image. And it doesn't mean I can't always go back and do something really hyper detailed and and try to uh, showcase that as well. But as far as production, um, you know, the clock's ticking, you know, so I have to kind of be aware of that.
1: And, you know, and it's true with everything you do. I mean, if you want to be like, get down to the minutiae of the detail you could spend all the time in the world on something and get it to your own level of perfection. But is that really what needs to be done for the purpose of what the artwork is for? Right. You know, and if it's, if it's for a comic book, like what you create, um, man, some, some comic book collectors are, are a little bit harsh about their, critique on artwork.
0: Yeah, and and it's like you have to take that with a, a, a bit of um, a grain of salt or something like that. You, you have to accept it. You have to learn and grow from critiques, but then you have to be very careful that it doesn't alter some major components of who you are and what your mission is. Like, um, I, I guess what I look at too, though, is for all this great, really neat I just wanna keep saying hyper detailed work that I like, right? Uh, people like, you know, David Finch or Jim Lee or, you know, Todd McFarlane, any of these guys that are like really hyper detailed, very dynamic, very amazing, right? Um, that's great and, and I love that stuff, but it's such a small portion of the entirety of what comics are and what any artist can be. Like, it's okay to, to like that stuff but if that's not you and you can't really achieve that, there's so many other great styles that are a lot easier to accomplish, and they still tell an, a fantastic story. I mean, not to make us, not to be silly, but even like Archie comics, for instance. You know, um, you know, it's a totally different thing, obviously. But uh, this stuff's drawn so quickly and so expressively that I'm sure it's a lot easier to learn how to do that than it is to learn how to draw like Jim Lee. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, and and they both tell a great story. I mean, I'm sure almost anybody on the planet has read a few Archie comics at some point in their life, you know? So it's like, because uh, they were bubblegum rappers back in the day, right? So like, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen them at one point, but um, but it, so really the story is really the most important part. And, and you know, sometimes we can get caught up in really worrying and attaching anxiety to the art and i think that's something you got to be careful of as an artist you know like is that is that serving you you know because it might really just be holding you back when you could be telling these great stories with a little bit less detail maybe you know
1: absolutely if it's a compelling story the the artwork is almost secondary the the artwork Definitely. is, and that's why cover art is so important. Because if you can capture somebody's attention with that great cover art, and then they open the book and they start reading uh, the the story, that's gonna keep them there. Um, yeah. The interior artwork is really almost secondary to the story, as long as it's as long as it's decent. I mean, it has to be able to convey the the you know and move the story along there's a couple things that i never really understood until i started listening to you that in sequential art um which is what you see in comic book art there is a pace that you have to represent with your with your illustrations and that seems to me like the most difficult part of storytelling through a visual medium like comic books
0: yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to sequential storytelling. And yeah, pacing is big. And, and a lot of times with pacing, uh, you know, you can think of it like beats, you know, beats of a drum or beats to a song. And and you can associate those beats to the size of the panels. And I can't remember where I read that. I've read so many how to draw books and how to make comic books it, it was, it, you know, but but it's pretty simple. And what happens is when you think about it like that, it becomes very simple. And you're like, I want to slow the story down a bit but I wanna give the reader lots of information to kind of dwell upon. And so you do this big splash page and you put lots of the, say the cityscape and establishing shot or something like that. So you put all this stuff in there so they can you know, look around and really uh, absorb it. But you know, what's funny is that I remember somebody else saying, and I think it was at a comic convention, I said, yeah, do you know what the average comic book page is viewed for about, six seconds or four, four seconds or something. That's it, was insane. Like, oh, it was something very insulting, basically. Like in, in, when you think about the amount of time and energy and effort you put in as an artist and a writer and a, and a wor- uh, balloon artist, letterer, you know, all this stuff. And then they realize that they, they're flipping through it, you know, and they're absorbing it really quickly and moving on to the next thing. I mean, I'm sure not every page. We've all had those parts of a book where we sit there and we're like, in amazement. And we really got to just sit there and keep looking at the page for a while. But on average, it was like 10 seconds or something. It was just, it was like, wow, you know, but it it makes you step back and think of it a little differently. Like, so, you know, really be aware of where you're spending your time, because that's why focal points are so important in not only a page, but every panel. uh, and, And why you can sometimes get away with some really neat silhouettes and things like that. And, you don't need all this detail everywhere. In fact, if you don't give the viewers uh, eye a place to rest, it'll actually hurt the process.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, and when you said silhouette, you triggered a, a thought in my head that um, one of my favorite styles of comic art is non-colored, um, just black and white, almost noir style. I love the look of how that raw artwork feels just the inked artwork. That's my favorite uh, style of artwork.
0: Right. Yeah. It's very powerful stuff.
1: Yeah. And yet, you know, it it still has what at, at least a colorization process to go through after, after that. And then, um, you know, and then it goes to publishing, but, uh, at which you do on your own as well, right? I mean, in your books, you do the entire process from concept to completion.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I pencil ink and uh, I don't color at this point. I'm thinking about doing a campaign and bringing in a colorist and, and then trying to do a little bit better print run. I use Kablam and I usually print like as many as I need kind of thing. Kind of want to get past that on, on this next Book of Blackstone. But I, I do all the self publishing aspect of it. And by that, I mean, I I just don't have a really big production of it. So, um, you know, I do my digital version on my Gumroad and, um, you know, I print some and I sell them at shows. But it's not like, you know, I'm not distributed. I, I don't do any big thing with it. But um, my goal is really just to get, um, I'm, I'm almost done with book two and I'm going to move hopefully right into book three and and just wrap those up because I've been on them for way too long. And, uh, but I've had to do this other stuff and kind of put the foundation in place for my career and for what I can hope to achieve. Um, and then, then my goal is to be able to sit back and draw Blackstone and tell that story. Um, but I also realized that I was away from it so long for so long, I had to kind of start over a little bit and that's, it's kind of a little sad really, but it's something I have to, uh, I'm dealing with and and getting through obviously but yeah I didn't think that would happen I always had that that story in my head so well so so um it was so effortless and then I spent all this time doing all this other stuff and really taking too much time away from it and I'm like wow I forgot some of the concepts and I have to like redraw and get back into the groove in a sense (laughs) so strange
1: Well, yeah, anything you don't do for a while, you're going to lose a beat with it. But uh, um, has the story, since you came back to it, or once you come back to it full-time, do you think the story is going to change from what it was originally? Or are you just um, having to reacquaint yourself with the story and then from there move forward?
0: Yeah, it's more reacquaint myself with the story. But, you know, but also... Uh, the, I always look at characters like they're they're always evolving and I'm and, and never uh, opposed to the next great idea. So if something comes up that makes it a better story, then I want to use that. I want I want to evolve that character. Um, but I also have to be careful that, you know, I'm not just simply changing things because I'm flighty or <laughs> just, you know, uh, like, yeah, hey, I think I'll change it because it feels like it needs to change. Like I, It needs to be better than what was there. And then... If it is, then I'm, I'm gonna try to migrate to that concept a little bit more. Um, but I, I think overall, I, I wanna keep the original um, purpose of the character in place. I, it, you know, it's funny, because it's the character's like, God, he's gotta be 20 years old now, and it wasn't as popular back then to have an anti-hero uh, or a, a character that is a bad guy it turns to a good guy. Um, you know it was done by no means is this like me saying I created that concept it was done plenty of times before I got a hold of it but now it's been done a lot more it's a lot more uh, I mean shoot it seems like all the good guys are bad guys these days you know what I mean yes (laughs) but back then it was it was just kind of coming about you know I picked it up from you know from from image stuff that was coming out they were doing a lot more bad boy stuff and and villains that were you know i don't know if that's a hero or a villain you know anti-villain all that and then uh, i was like hey that's what i want my character to be i waited so long that you know i worry about that too that it was a lot more interesting back then but it doesn't matter i still have to go with what my my heart was my initial uh concept of my character and go for it and uh you know just hopefully people like the idea you know
1: well i think this might be a good place for you to kind of give the backstory on the character and how it came to you
0: so yeah so the character um blackstone's really just like he starts off um as you see him just kind of going throughout space and so you know extraterrestrial character going throughout space and he's just like like a a force of nature going around like wreaking havoc getting into fights you know Totally not regarding uh, any other life forms. Everything's kind of beneath him, and he's just a superior, dominant force that you know he does what he wants. He comes and goes as he pleases, and he he hunts for sport in a way that he's just basically trying to find his match, kind of thing. So that's really the the premise of what you see of the character at first: real cocky, arrogant type character. You know, he's got this metallic impenetrable black skin he's got this armor and he's just just tough as nails and he knows it and you know he just goes throughout space uh hanging out in the roughest toughest spots things like that and then what happens is he ends up coming into contact through one of his hunts and his pursuits uh an alien life form intervenes as he's trying to basically murder this creature and you know he doesn't consider it murder he just feels like i'm just hunting and you know taking this other thing, taking this trophy, you know, this other thing intervenes and attacks him. And, you know, I'm kind of divulging the first book, but whatever. And, and the thing attaches to him. And, you know, he's trying to figure out a way to get it off him. Now he's stuck with this alien on his back, this pile of tentacles, basically. And, uh, you know, he's never dealt with anything like this before. Uh, He's always been this dominant thing. And, You know, not only has he destroyed almost anything he's come into contact with, nothing's been able to, like, uh, impose itself on him like this thing has. So he's trying to figure out a way to get it off. He can't. Every time he goes to remove it, it it puts him in excruciating pain. Can't communicate with it. It's just sitting there. So it's like this annoyance, you know. And then all of a sudden, he goes to go about his routine of basically being a a bad guy. And he goes, like, uh, you know, hurt somebody. Hurt something, I should say, another creature, and it it locks them up physically. It won't let them do it, and it doesn't like grab them with the tentacles or not like that. It's almost on a in a uh, his nervous system type level. It just makes him clench up and drop the weapon. So, so he realizes real quick that wow, this thing has some uh, higher calling. It's not letting me do, it's not letting me be what I am and, and do what I want. And ultimately not allowing to, him to hurt anything or anyone, and so now it starts to play out that this thing is going to start making him be good, be a hero, and he. So at first he comes into into you know like a kind of a a process of like well, you know at least then I can still kick some butt, right? I can still fight. I can still do it. I you know I was basically created to do in his mind, and that's destroy things, and but it won't allow him to, you know, go past certain, uh, you know, he can't kill anything now. He can't hurt innocence. He can't, you know, destroy, um, public property. I don't know. Like he just, he just can't do things that are bad, you know? And so basically he's trying to figure out a way to get this thing off him. So he starts, you know, flying around, trying to find like, you know, scientists that are, you know, really well-versed in, in, uh, you know, alien genetics and things like that and trying to employ them or basically threaten them and to help them get this thing off them all the while he is now forced to be this hero and when he comes across somebody being um you know messed with he, he has to intervene and so that's that's the initial premise of it and then there's a lot more of a backstory of why he was so inherently evil and, and but again not evil in his own his own mind's eye like he he didn't see himself as being evil he uh he just felt that that's that was his uh you know what he was you know the backstory explains why he's that way basically
1: okay so is he a, a human traveling through space or is he another creature like another race of alien or something like that
0: yeah he's another race of alien but he's actually. Um, He's actually a byproduct of another race of aliens.
1: And it seems like th- it, when he connected with the symbiote, he wasn't given special powers because he already had that. But what right. he was given was that conscience that he was, you know, devoid of from the, the bonding with the other alien DNA.
0: Yeah. And the other, the other part that I like to explain or my hopes on explaining in the story is that he's not truly evil it's almost like if you were, if you were a child, but you were, you know, aged quickly, right? So you're still a child, but you're in a man's body kind of thing. And then, so you had all the ability to walk, run, talk, do whatever. And then somebody gave you a fork in the road and said, one side is good. One side is bad. Which one do you want? Uh, I mean, it's a 50, 50 <laughs> shot, you know, you don't know yeah. you're going to pick the right one. Right. So, so that's kind of what happened to him and then but as he starts to to experience the other side now of like now he's forced to be a hero now he's forced to be a good guy he starts to slowly come around and realize what he's been missing and how it feels good to save the day and how it feels good to be the hero and do the right thing so yeah that's it's it's a process for him to start uh becoming more well-rounded you know
1: cool so i don't know if i gave you a lot of Detail about the podcast, the post-apocalyptic genre. It has what I've been interested in ever since I was a little kid, uh, and it's because of that threat of nuclear war and all of the movies and books and everything that I was exposed to at that young age was all post-apocalyptic, from Planet of the Apes, Mad Max, and all that stuff. You know, that's a heavy science fiction uh, influence for me, and science fiction has always been a huge interest of mine as well. So then, you know, going through my list of friends that I know that are into sci- science fiction, whether it's comic books, movies, books, and literature, you popped up, man. So that's the reason why I wanted to invite you on.
0: Well, yeah, no, I greatly appreciate that. And I wish I was more of a sci-fi buff. It's like, I just, you know, I have this character that I like to, to mess with and, and to develop. Um, But then when I really think about it, I'm like, man, there's so many there's so much about sci fi that I really don't know as well. I mean, but I definitely love every, you know, every science fiction movie and TV series I can get my eyes on. I mean, your
1: character Blackstone and that that whole comic book that you're creating is a science fiction
0: story. Yeah, he really is. You know, but it's it's almost like I started more with superhero, you know, like I, I just wanted to make a hero or almost, you know, not the typical hero scenario I guess but then but then I, I was also a kid that grew up on Silver Surfer so it was like I, I think that it just naturally you know I pulled from that because I always loved how the character went from planet to planet and saw the, you know, all these different aliens on and, and then I thought well, hey I like to draw all these weird aliens you know so I could definitely tie that in you know so it's, it's in a lot of ways it's like again you take bits and pieces of all the things that you like that you want to express creatively uh along with you know the ideas that you have about uh good versus evil and then you mash it all together and you know this is one of the things that i came up with
1: silver surfer's always been a a cool uh a very cool comic book character uh they seem to have uh so now when i was when i first started looking at comic books when i was probably in junior high school maybe a little bit younger than that um silver surfer was around back then and i i just remember you know seeing the cool artwork that they uh were making and again i'm unlike I'm the for me comic books is all about the artwork you know we talked about yeah. it being about the story and then the artwork is second but for me comic books have always been like that I I just been attracted to the
0: art. Yeah, same there.
1: Um but the uh it, it seems like the the more recent um and I'm not I, I don't want to be bashing on somebody else's work but it seems like the the more recent ver, a version of the silver surfer is not as detailed. It's just not it, it's not as appealing to me visually.
0: Right? Yeah, I think a lot of the art styles these days are a lot lighter uh, gra- and more graphic. Uh, graphic, um, graphic, graphic design light. style. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot more of that style and a bit more. Sometimes you'll see stuff that's a bit more Disney-esque mixed in with comic art and, and anime-esque and all that. And I think a big part of it is it's just quicker to draw. Um, and it's, it's just as expressive. It was back when we were talking about with the storytelling end of things if you can still get the story done and you can get it done on time, then that might be the right way to go for you. You know, you can't be an art, you can't be this amazing artist that is always late with the book. It's just not going to happen. So um, I think that's a big part of it because there's a lot of styles like that, that I look at now and I'm like, wow, you know, as a guy growing up, uh, when I was a kid in the nineties and all that, all those styles were so hyper detailed that it was so much more impressive to me back then, but uh, a lot of those books were late, you know. So it does make sense that they would, you know, say, "All right, let's cut back on all the cool rendering and the ultra detailed stuff, and let's do more of the, you know, lighter area vibe, the cartoony stuff, and you know, the stuff that's easier to—I uh, hate to say—easier to draw. It probably would tick a lot of people off, but it's—I think it's kind of true. I mean, it's—it's it's probably easier to hit the deadlines on those books.
1: One, one company that consistently puts out high quality, visual, visually attractive books, in, in my opinion, I just think everything that they put out is Valiant. The, when, when Valiant oh, yeah. came back after, I guess they had dissolved the company for a, a period because they were bought out and that, that went wrong. But they finally, the original creators of Valiant uh, rebuilt the company. And it seems like every book that they put out is just high quality, beautiful artwork.
0: Right. Yeah, because that's like Man o War, right? And that yeah. one of their yeah. 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 No, gorgeous artwork, and yeah, I think that some companies make compromises. Uh, and, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, some of it is just the new norm, and, and things evolve and change into a way where this is what people want, this is what's selling, this is what works. There's all that you know, and I, um, but then I think some of it is where companies make compromises to, you know, fit fit a market, fit a brand, you know, whatever they're trying to do. Um, where other companies don't, they say no, we're this is our this is our brand, this is our true uh, narrative, our true statement that we're trying to make, and they stick it out and they they ride with it. Um, but yeah, I think I think Marvel in a lot of ways. I mean, if we're talking Marvel, I guess, but in a lot of ways, I think they've, they've just become so, um, you know, we're, we're going to do what sells and we're going to, you know, we're going to go where the uh, the money is and the, the market uh, flows to for us. And I don't think there's a consistency of, um, you know, the Marvel way isn't what it was 10, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. It's just.
1: You got to look at, these companies are, are out there to make money and they pay these artists and these writers a good amount of money to make these books. And they put out a, an enormous number of books every month. Um, so they're going to have to go the way of keeping their costs down to maximize their profits. But now right. I, I, th- I think since they became part of Disney, uh, it's, it's not so much a comic book company. It's more, of a media company now. Right. Yeah. Know, or, or a, a branch of a media company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well put. No, I, I think you're right there. And it, it, you know, it's, it's changed a lot too, in the sense of like, before it was, you know, um, an artist would come in say a great pencil, right. And there's fantastic pencilers in, in Marvel and DC for sure. And they'd come in and they just really hammer out some amazingly detailed pencils and more, uh, more and more, I'm seeing artists where instead of pencil or inker, it just says artists. And it's like, really, yeah, and they're doing the whole thing. And some of them are even doing the color, which just blows my mind. But that's more rare. But it's it's become a lot more common to see an artist that's doing the pencils and inks. Or they have a style that doesn't even uh, fit that way of doing things. And they're like doing maybe a digital paint style. And then obviously, it's it's just almost like an Alex Ross thing, but with digital paint. But uh, but yeah, it's it's especially with digital taking over, like there's been a lot more of that where they're like, you know, hey, it's we're not just going to have the penciler do it and then ship it over to the anchor and then to the colorist. There's a lot of room for error there. Probably a lot more opportunities, well, to miss deadlines in the sense that there's all these moving parts. But then again, it's also alleviates the artist from having to miss deadlines because they finish their pencils they ship them off but yeah you're seeing a lot more artists that will pencil ink and yeah sometimes even add the color
1: well you do i mean you do all three yourself whenever you create a piece of art you do the pencils and then you go back and do the inks right after right after that um
0: yeah it just seems
1: more it seems like that's the way that the industry is going and it's almost it, it almost seems like it saves a step uh you know to where back like you said back in the old days um they used to do the pencils and then the pencils would go to i i don't know if they would go straight to the inker or they would go to the editor first for approval and then go to the inker or uh, i don't know if there was that step in in between oh i'm sure
0: you know no i think you're right i'm sure you would be right because if not you know they're not going to waste time of it being inked and then want to make changes and I've, I've watched stories uh, where, you know, comic artists are like, oh, man, I couldn't get them to accept this page. And I had to do a little cut out of a, of a character and paste them over the old one. So, yeah, they try to avoid that. And I'm sure it would go editor, you know, make the changes back to the pencil and then back over to the anchor. But just a lot of and they were back in the day before all this digital stuff and scanners and all that. They were shipping pages all over the place. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, I, I'm sure once, you know, scanning and emails uh, became available to, to the whole industry, it changed everything.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, overnight for sure. And then, yeah, now, now with digital, I mean, you know, I have a hard time. I keep drawing traditionally because I love penciling on Bristol board and on paper. Uh, but then I, I keep getting drawn back to my, my iPad Pro and, and the Procreate app because I can pencil, ink, and color it all right there in the one app, and then it also captures the video for me. And I'm a big YouTuber, so I take it right over to YouTube and I narrate, or you know, I break it up and do something else with it. Like, I just can't beat it. But if I want to do that on paper, uh, you know, I got to pencil it, ink it. I can't color worth a lick on paper. But um, and then I got to set up cameras to record it. It's it's a lot more of a a hassle. Yeah. But when it's all digital it's a breeze. Do you have a um uh
1: you know w- when you do a pencil and ink uh traditional piece on bristle board do you put that out for to sell those as original pieces?
0: You know I don't I have stacks and stacks of them too and I, I at some point I probably need to uh I was flipping through them the other day I have this big treasure chest uh cabinet that's you know late it holds all the paper nice and flat it's made for artists you know whatever and and so i got this full of like all this <laughs> this buildup of artwork on bristol ward because you know you, you, there's only so many portfolios you're gonna have around you know um but yeah at some point i probably need to start selling them I, I just don't i just don't do it i don't have a need for it right now um but it's i do feel like i'm really kind of missing a you know avenue like i'm like sitting here drawing the stuff a lot of it's fan art i probably should flip it um but you know now there's no comic shows so i haven't been doing that uh because usually i would just show them at comic shows and i would get offers and i mean i have sold a couple here and there but i never really put it out and say hey this is for sale this is for sale it's just so if somebody comes up and they're like man i really like this one of venom you did then i'll i'll flip it you know something like that
1: yeah it really could be a whole other income stream for you. But like you said, if you don't need it, and it's just something that you do at a, at a casual pace, because you enjoy it, you know, no need to put extra pressure on yourself by, by trying to put
0: stuff out there. That would definitely be the way that I would have to do it. Because I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm lazy or what, like I, I need to be able to follow my, um, my creativity, not the other way around. Like I, I know a lot of these people that Are just they're so good at calling upon creativity and throwing down exactly what they need to at that moment and i think that's a big part of being a professional you know uh but for me it's almost i do a lot better when it's like i'm inspired to do something you know yeah yeah, Yeah. cool
1: uh no you're not lazy dude in fact i think you're the opposite of lazy i think you're a workaholic
0: okay yeah well i'm glad it looks that way (laughs)
1: If, if that's the illusion then it's working right yeah it's
0: all magic act
1: <laughs> that's cool uh so a uh, couple questions about your your blackstone story and in relation to science fiction yeah. um uh, now and i understand that you said that he started out kind of as a superhero but it obviously took a, a turn towards science fiction oh yeah can you thinking back you know in your in your younger days, was there anything that you could pinpoint to that would have been an inspiration to do something in the science fiction genre?
0: You know, I liked anything that was fantasy based. So, And, and I have a hard time with this. So like a lot of people say, all right, fantasy based is, you know, like World of Warcraft, right? Yes. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so like wizards and, and ogres and stuff like that. I never really knew that until I got older. I just thought all of it was fantasy because it was this fantasy land kind of thing. Um, so I liked anything that was that was not real, you know, as far as storylines go. And so, uh, you know, it was obviously Star Wars, um, Star Trek. I'm, I'm probably one of the few that instead of, I, I wouldn't say one of the few, but I'm one of the ones that instead of fighting over which one's better, I just loved them both. And so like for me, it was like anything where, you know, you're seeing people find this new world and this new life form. I just always thought those storylines were so cool. Things like aliens, predator, you know, all of that was just so interesting to me that um, when I did get into comics years later, when I was 14, I picked up a comic by Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man, and and I I started reading comics um, that I wanted to do a superhero, but then I'm like, and I don't know if I'd want the character that just hung around the city somewhere, even though looking back, I'm like, man, that's probably a good way to be because it relates so much easier to everybody's life. So you can tell stories that are more meaningful. You got to be careful when it's science fiction because <laughs> they're often these, you know, crazy planets and traveling space. You got to remember to relate it to regular life somehow. Like, that's what I love about. Uh, not to get off track, but Guardians of the Galaxy, its one of the things I think they did really well with that, um, that concept. But, but, I, you know, I love the idea that when you're dealing with space and science fiction, your imagination can go anywhere. It's boundless, you know. Um, and then if you want it to be really cool, study space and, and some of the, the beauty of science uh, itself and, and tie that in. Um, I always thought that was so neat about Star Trek, how, A lot of those are theories and and they were based upon concepts that, you know, we can't really prove, but we have an idea that maybe it would work, you know, and um, I always thought that was really neat about them. you know, that it was like, had some kind of almost tangible, you know, concepts, you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: Just for the record, uh, Spider-Man is science fiction.
0: Okay, he would be considered science fiction? Yes. All right um (laughs) it, it doesn't
1: have to be in in outer space to be science fiction in fact
0: oh gotcha
1: the uh the original science fiction story believe it or not was mary shelley's frankenstein yeah that's considered the original science fiction story right so yeah it doesn't have to be outer space it could as long as humans can invent or or create what you're seeing if as long as it's not magic or um, some kind of a some kind of a ritual to get there, but it's done through science, even if the science is totally fake, um, that's what makes that's what really makes a difference.
0: So then, what's Star Wars?
1: Star Wars, is science fiction, for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, even though I, I know it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it's still. <laughs> right. It's still humans <laughs> and uh, well
0: just because it has that magic element so then i'm like okay now is that a mix of fantasy you know is it, th- it definitely is it definitely
1: it definitely um crosses that that boundary of uh, you know mixed genre but then you also have movies like alien and the thing which are also science fiction but they cross the genre into horror as well
0: right right so Very it's true. Yeah,
1: it, it. There are elements of science fiction, but there are also elements of other um, genres that that are mixed in with it. And it's a complex uh, f- idea to think about it. You coming from the creative perspective of just these are just cool things, and I just want to draw them.
0: Exactly. You know, <laughs> you don't
1: you don't have to worry about all the the detail of it. I I'm the kind of guy that likes to break things down, analyze them a little bit more, and, and get kind of intellectual about that stuff
0: yeah see i just want to draw the frog you want to dissect it <laughs> you know it's <laughs> funny you said frog because that
1: was a a, a a a trope in the original frankenstein story
0: was it
1: yeah that was a uh, uh not a trope that was an influence on mary shelley when uh, when she was in high school she saw a a frog being dissected and she she knew about the or maybe she didn't see it happen but she knew about the the first um time that they elect put the electric you know thing on the frog's leg to make it contract right so that kind of inspired her to do the the story about the creature that was brought back to life through electricity
0: wow yeah i didn't know that and that's where it all started i mean when you look at those uh those old uh iconic characters like that dracula frankenstein uh zombie you know i mean all that is where it started and then it turned into what all these different variations that we have today i mean that's kind of how i look at it. i look at the hulk and i just think he's just a big old frankenstein (laughs) yeah
1: exactly yeah um and and all those stories are fascinating interesting for me um but it's like the you know the artwork, though, man. The artwork is what draws people in, I think. Oh yeah. Even when you go to the bookstore and you look at these science or these these novels, you know, you look at the book cover to know if it's going to be a book worth reading before yeah. you even read the summary.
0: Yep. And then sometimes you pick it up and you're all excited and you forget to look at the inside and you realize, oh, the cover artist is way better than the interior artist. Yeah. But, but hey, whatever. And it, it, it's usually fine. You know, but it's like, I do feel burned sometimes when that <laughs> happens, you know?
1: Yeah. Are you still, uh, uh, do you still read a lot of comic books?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've, I'm a bit of a sellout. I, I, um, I'm a comicsology. nut. So I got, uh, I got that app and I get a bunch of comics on there. I'll, I'll still go on there and buy a couple books. Sometimes they're not on the unlimited thing that I got. Uh, but it's just so easy to go on there, look for the ones that are already part of the plan there's tons of great titles in there. I, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I read them digitally, but I feel like I feel a little guilty. Like I, I can't wait for some of this stuff to subside and get back out there and and interact with people and buying books because that's really what it's all about. You know, you yeah. gotta have those, you gotta have those tangible pieces of history, you know?
1: It's true. Yeah. Cause you can't trade those digital files. Uh, you know, you can trade the, the hard, actual physical books um you can hand them off to friends to you know, i don't know if you'd let your friends borrow your books <laughs> or not nowadays but <laughs> when we were Never. kids when we were kids we'd pass them around like you know like nothing
0: well yeah but that hurts the resale value definitely you know, I, you know and I, I look at it like this i can't leave my son you know, i got a six-year-old son uh roman I can't leave him a a subscription to something you know what i mean yeah like um i'm I'm out of here kiddo here you go here's my amazon (laughs) subscription or whatever it is like you know i gotta leave him boxes of books that he can trash and give to his friends i don't know but it's i gotta have that tangible i say history and i know i shouldn't say history people be like what are you talking about but it but to me it is history you know like some of those books I look back at, and you know, they transport me to that time uh, when I first read them, and um, obviously, and then, yeah, they're just they're amazing parts of of the history of comics, and yeah, the digital doesn't fill that gap, you know.
1: I agree, but you know, hats off to you for continuing to contribute and support the industry, uh, you know, even through the digital. Um, purchasing of those books because it does support the artists and the creators of those works.
0: I hope so. Yeah. I hope so.
1: So I think that's a good place to leave it, Rob, tell people how to get in touch with you, find out more about your work and what you're working on next.
0: Uh, So right now I'm working on Blackstone uh, book number two and uh, you know, always pumping out YouTube videos weekly. And then, um, you know, I'm doing more on course content. I make courses for Udemy. Um, and Skillshare. And I actually just uh, launched my own uh, course site that's tied into my RamStudio comics.com. Uh, so now what I can do is I can actually bring students to my site, uh, teach them how to draw comics as I'm creating my own comics, and then uh, help them along through the process.
1: And they can find that at RamStudiosComics.com.
0: You got it. Yeah.
1: And what about social media? Do you have any any way for people to connect with you?
0: Yeah, I'm probably biggest on Instagram. It just seemed to be the one that that works the best. You know, it's visual first and I'm always posting like little clips of something I'm drawing or what I'm working on next. Uh, I'm also on like, I got Ram Studio Comics on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. I think Twitter's just under my name, but but really it's, it's probably Instagram is the best for, you know, uh, interacting with the artwork.
1: And the big one is your YouTube channel and how do people find that?
0: Yeah. So my YouTube channel is just uh ramp studio comics. So um, I think if you type my name or ramp studio comics um, you know, my name being Robert Marzullo and it should come right up. Uh, you know, we've got about 165,000 subscribers now. So, and growing. So I've got a lot of videos. I think I'm over like 750 videos or something last time I checked.
1: Congrats on the subscribers, man. And hats off to you for that huge body of work.
0: Yeah, thanks. I've been at it for like seven years and uh, I think I'm just a little bit uh, obsessed. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: well, thank you for continuing to contribute uh, because I know all that content out there is freely available to people who go subscribe to the to the YouTube channel. And then the, the paid content is what you put out uh, for your actual students people that subscribe to your work
0: yeah yeah and it just allows me to pay the bills and then keep bringing the the free content on youtube so it's like one hand you know washes the other kind of thing
1: absolutely hey everybody's got to make a living man gotta do it all right rob well hey thank you for coming on deadhand radio and contributing to this sci-fi edition of the podcast my man appreciate you yeah doing that.
0: no thank you andrew it's been an absolute pleasure and i uh, wish you the best on this uh on this podcast and uh let me know if there's anything i can do
1: well i if uh you're open to it i'd love to have you back on again in the future if something comes up that we can talk about for sure
0: definitely definitely so
1: awesome rob all right man man. i'll take talk to you later
0: all right thanks man take care yeah,
1: you too take care
0: yeah Bye.